God said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. So I want to apologize to many of you. I uh, hadn't been able to do a show in the last couple of days. I, uh, I, um, my, my situation is I have a, a, a spinal infection. And it's, 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 uh, decri- you know, it's almost crippling. Um, but uh, there's a, it's, it's 100% treatable. Um, but it took them a long time to try to figure out what the what the problem was and how to fix the problem. So that's what I'm dealing with. And uh, so when I do this show, I'm actually doing it in a lot of pain. But, you know, it's worth doing. It's absolutely worth doing. And I do it when I, I'm doing the best I can. I'll do it when I can. Um, and... For the most part, I have really, really great days, really good days, and days that I just can't do it. Um, So we'll see what happens going forward, but um, whatever this treatment program that I'll be going on, um, it involves antibiotics that are injected into your body, Um, but they have to figure out cultures and things like that. Um, But in any case... It's generally a two to four week thing. So we're not talking about, you know, a lifetime of whatever. So there's still a lot of gratitude in my heart. Uh, there's so many people that have it worse. And uh, that's the way I look at every aspect of my life. So with that, I'm going to just start the show here. But a lot of people have written in and asked uh, questions. So I'm here to try to give those answers. Um, all right, so, hey, on the bright side, Republicans won last night, right? They won the, uh, congressional baseball game with, uh, Congressman Steuben hitting a a home run in a real field. It's probably the first time they ever hit a home run in a real baseball field, real pro baseball field where the Nationals play. 
So that was pretty good. Nancy Pelosi, though, didn't she missed it because she was talking on her phone the whole time. But Joe Biden showed up without his mask and um, decided to shake hands with everybody. Um, the Democrats, mostly. Yep, they're still saying, F you Biden everywhere you go. Because if you listen to what's going on on Capitol Hill, they're now starting to throw them under the bus. The army is blaming the State Department. Does anybody blame anybody anymore? Does the buck stop anywhere in, in Congress? Does the buck stop anywhere in Washington? And the answer is no. So yeah, the headline is that Stube rocked the Trump hat and hit a home run. It's the Biden curse. You know that, right? Representative Greg Stube, a Republican from Florida, no less. Florida's doing, kicking some butt, aren't they? With DeSantis. Where's a hat? He wears a hat signed by former U.S. President Donald Trump right on the beak. He's the pitcher, so you see it every single play. And then he hits the winning home run. You can't make this stuff up. The last time there was a great moment like that was one when uh, Steve Scalise, who was just shot by that Benny, Bernie Sanders supporter, gets out there in the first line drive that hits, hit, hits the shortstop, Steve Scalise, who makes a diving catch in his state of physical you know, despair and throws it the first and gets the guy out. Pretty unbelievable stuff. God is watching over us and making these things happen. These are miracles, folks. These are messages. That's why every single thing that Democrats do seems to blow up in their faces. Every single thing they do. They can't win for losing. In fact, they can't even get this omnibus bill because of Joe Manchin. Why Joe Manchin? Of course, we know why. He's up for re-election in 2022 and West Virginia where President Trump won by 47% or something. So naturally, Joe Manchin knows he's going to have to do the right thing and act more like a conservative or a moderate because he voted to impeach Donald Trump twice and he would never get my vote. I would always go for a Republican in West Virginia. I don't know what they're thinking, but you know, at least we're having an honest account of one Democrat in the Senate. And that's a good thing. So Representative Greg Stube reminds me of uh, my old high school, Steubenville. Wears a hat signed for signed by former U.S. President Donald Trump during the annual congressional baseball game at National Park, Nationals Park in Washington. You can't write this script any better, can you? Trump won the game. And you know what the hat says? You know what the hat says? It says, Save America. I love that new slogan. Make America great again, again, and again. Or, Save America. I love it. I absolutely love it. So we're going to get, um, we're going to talk about J6th. The truth is coming out about the FBI's involvement and their coordination with Proud Boys. 
on Jay 6th. We're going to talk about that. We're going to listen to some clips associated with yesterday's testimony where they throw the State Department and Joe Biden under the bus. And it's kind of interesting to see. We're also going to listen to some brilliant commentary from people on the street or, in fact, this one time, one case, NBA's Orlando Magic's Jonathan Isaac, who basically uh, is getting the COVID, uh, isn't getting the COVID vaccine, but he gives a brilliant answer, just an absolute stunningly brilliant answer. We're going to listen to DeSantis talk about what's happening in Australia and more. There's so much to get to uh, related to because I've taken a day or two off. I have like a backlog of things I want to share with you. We're going to start with a quote, a cartoon. Then we're going to start with Donald Trump. And this is something I wanted to play two days ago, but it's just a great line. Let's start with Donald Trump first. Shall we? So let's take a listen. All right, here we go. Said to NBC at the time, they loved me so much during The Apprentice. They went bad. Well, they didn't want me to run. They didn't want me to run. They said, please, another three Perry years, Georgia. another five, we'll do whatever. They did not want me to run. They said, you won't win. Why would you give up a primetime show that's doing so well? And then I did it, and look what happened. My life was so simple. My life was so simple, I should have just, but you know what? What we've done is so important. What we've exposed is so important. What we're doing and what we're going to do is going to be the most important of all. We're going to save America, folks. That's what we're going to do. We're going to save America. There's a really great cartoon. Caught my eye. Trended a bit. I love the cartoon. It's like a 50s-style mother-daughter. Bows in their hair. They're making a birthday cake. And the daughter says to the mother in this beautiful cartoon, says, Mom, why do people eat chicken soup when they're sick? And the mom replies, because it's a much better solution than using an illness as cover to implement global communism. The new buzzword in town is global communism. That's what we're calling it now. Global communism. And Kyle Becker writes uh, absurd lies about COVID coming out of the media right now. There is no such thing as natural immunity. Children need to be vaccinated to protect uh, adults. Vaccines stop the spread of COVID. So this is basically about absurd lies. These are all lies. They're saying there's no such thing as natural immunity. There is. We're going to hear this basketball player address this. They're, they're lying when they tell you that children need to be vaccinated to protect adults. They're lying because that really has to do with viral load and children don't get viral load. They also said they're, when they're, when they were lying to you, Vaccines stop the spread of COVID. No, that's not true. And the unvaccinated must be forced to take the COVID shot to protect the vaccinated. Those are all lies, folks. They're lying to you. 
There are other false assumptions implied in most media reporting that the CDC reported deaths, which COVID are tantamount to cause of death. Americans equally at risk average age of death is 78, 94% comorbidities, fully authorized vaccines, but can't sue government or manufacturers. So you should be able to have recourse, right? That's the American way. More unstated assumptions that are problematic. Ignore 120 to 150 uh, million already had it. They ignore that. No, there's no count for that. You don't see that count up on the screen. How many people got it and didn't even go to the hospital? Most COVID now is Delta variant that appears to be spread largely via vaccines. The vaccinated is the Delta variant. The FDA VARS data show young people 12 to 29 more at risk from vaccine-induced heart inflammation than COVID. We can go on all day with this. We're winning this argument. We're winning the J6 argument. We're winning the AZ audit argument. We're winning the debate about how far we should go or how far we must go or how far we can go in Georgia in that election fraud. And again, we reversed Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, and it's game over for Biden. He's a total fraud. But everybody knows it. That's why they say F F Joe Biden. That's why Joe Biden has more dislikes than likes on everything he posts. That's why his polls are going through the roof, going through the um, floor. Because nobody likes Joe Biden. Nobody likes Kamala Harris. So that's what we're winning, folks. Trump's rally in Perry, Georgia was amazing, right? So it says here, pray for the frontline workers in New York who will be fired at midnight tonight for not taking the jab. And of course, that, that has happened. They're doing this. That could never happen in a pandemic. You would never push to get rid of your military personnel and to get rid of your nurses. The nurses that were last year a hero are now villains. I believe there's something more going on with this. I believe that this is a targeted, they know right now that this has become political. You know why they know it? They politicized it. So they politicized this argument. You know they did. And you know how it's covered. And you know the names and the, and the uh, derogatory remarks they've made against the Trump supporters. And they attribute all the unvaccinated to be Trump supporters, which is not true. But you know that they politicized this. You know they divided us as a country. You know that's their strategy. They did it with Black Lives Matter with the black community. They're doing it now with the vaccines. And I said it all along. The vaccine passport is a vaccine segregation. The, the party that's always endorsed segregation, whether it be the Civil War, whether it be George Wallace in Georgia standing in front of the door not to integrate schools, the Democrats have always been about dividing. They've always been about borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. They could always depend on Paul's support. 
taking money out of one party's pocket and giving it to their party. That's what they do with Planned Parenthood. They take money from out of the taxes of all parties and then they give it to the abortion clinics who turn around and give 100% of their donations to Democrats only. That's the way the Democrats have done it with the unions. That's the way the Democrats have done it with Planned Parenthood. That's the way the Democrats do it with their omnibus spending bills that they're doing. That's the way they do it with um, sanctuary cities, the Department of Education, whether the IRS, targeting Tea Party groups. They never want a discussion or a debate over the issue. They always want to bury it in some other bill. You know, the Russian hoax was a one-party deal. It was managed by not only James Comey, a libtard. It was managed by Bob Mueller, a special counsel. They kept everybody at bay and kept every, everything under secret. Who was running the show? Weissman, a Democrat. And when it came time for the Ukraine call, who buried all the evidence and who controlled every aspect of the impeachment process? Adam Schiff. Was there any honest debate there in that debate? No. It was a one-party grand jury indictment. Nobody got to debate. Nobody got to really have a fair and honest discussion. And despite all the disadvantages, Team Trump won those arguments. How about J6? Once again, the FBI infiltrates, keeps everything under wraps, controls all the evidence. They leak out what they want. And we're supposed to believe it. Then they commit the fraud of a lifetime, working their relationships with big tech who stand to benefit. Do you know all these multinational corporations that are sponsoring CNN and MSNBC to carry disinformation are the ones that will benefit from the slave labor making their their silicone chips, making their Nike sneakers. They're the ones that will benefit from importing slave labor right here into our country by opening up the borders and disenfranchising the middle class voters by drugging up their children, by allowing fentanyl and methamphetamines to come through our southern borders to bringing in and importing refugees to give them the slave labor that they need to profit and to turn them into Democrat voters. That is the scheme, that is the game, and that is what's happening in America today. The Bradford File writes, laughing out loud, the vaccines are so amazing. Harvard is going back to virtual classes for nearly 100% of their vaccinated population. Richard Grinnell writes, German elections require voters to have identification and they don't use machines to count votes. Eric Matheny writes, if this were a life or death emergency, the border would be closed and we would keep every able-bodied nurse we had. Of course, this is not. And I wrote, the Great Reset is just another word for global communism. Rigged elections and state-controlled media are key. Corporate partnerships who alliance with governments, 
for access to slave labor markets and who control the media with monetary influence are essential to them. We can go on and on. There's so much that's being exposed with regard to the Russian disinformation. Glenn Greenwald's been on it. A lot of people have been on it. Nevertheless, it's happening. I mean, there is damage being done. But I think it's going to catch up with them. Like, for example, this uh, offer. North Carolina hospital systems fire 175 workers in one of the largest ever mass terminations due to a vaccine mandate. United Airlines is doing the same thing. They, they uh, are letting go 600 people that are refusing the vaccinated to get vaccinated. You have Australia showing the way, setting the mark for the kind of draconian lockdown measures and the abuse shooting people in the streets. Representative Jim Jordan writes, it doesn't matter if you're a nurse, teacher, factory worker, or NBA player, you shouldn't be forced to get the COVID vaccine period. And that's for doggone sure. And then we got General Milley's testimony from two days ago. And then we're going to listen to testimony from yesterday. But let's listen to what Mark Meadows had to say to Steve Cortez about what Mark General Milley said. Explanations and ridiculous excuses for his significant misconduct. And as part of trying to offer those excuses, uh, he invoked the name of Mark Meadows. So I figured nobody better to ask about this than Mark Meadows. So Chief Meadows, welcome to the show. We very much appreciate you being here. Uh, in trying to make an excuse, in trying to explain away his overtures to the sworn enemy of the United States, the Chinese Communist Party and the head of the People's Liberation Army, he used your name. Let's listen to his testimony and then I want to get your take afterward. Here he is. Eleven people attended that call with me and readouts of this call were distributed to the interagency that same day. Shortly after my call ended with General Lee, I personally informed both Secretary of State Pompeo and White House Chief of Staff Meadows about the call, among other topics. So, Chief Meadows, is that accurate? Were you fully briefed? And then secondly, was this call as routine as General Milley wants us to make it seem? Listen, uh, when when you start to hear some of the testimony and what's coming out of General, General Milley's mouth uh, now, uh, you, you have to question whether uh, the testimony is fiction or the book is fiction. I, I can tell you this, without talking about any of the specifics of what General Milley and I may or may not have discussed, uh, I can tell you that the comments that were outlined in the Woodward book uh, came as a complete shock to me uh, when, when I saw the headline. I can tell you that those kinds of conversations were not uh, ones that I had while I was in in the White House. And uh, and so under, under questioning tomorrow, that's what they really ought to ask him is, is let's take the exact quote. Did you say this or did you not? Uh, because uh, I, I think under direct questioning with, you know, him raising his right hand under oath, uh, he would have to at least characterize the phone call very differently. And sort of they did. I mean, he Milley had to answer some, some tough questions yesterday. We're going to play his answers and his exchange with Matt Gates. But before we do, I want to. I, this is a really kind of a good quote, a good, um, good post, I should say. Tim Young writes: If a governor fires thousands of its own medical employees, can they declare a state of emergency? 
AKA, can a governor, can a governor intentionally create the conditions they use to declare a state of emergency to expand their power? This is a new level of tyranny in America. So two weeks to flatten the curve has turned into three plus jabs if you intend to be a part of society. We warned you. And let's listen to what Ron DeSantis has to say about Australia. You guys look what's going on in Australia right now. You know, they're enforcing, after a year and a half, they're still enforcing lockdowns by the military. Um, and that's not a free country. Uh, it's not a free country at all. In fact, I mean, I, you know, I wonder why we would still, um, you know, have the same diplomatic relations when they're doing that. I mean, is, is Australia freer than China, communist China right now? I don't know. The fact that that's even a question tells you something has gone dramatically that's right. off the rails. It, it is a question. It's a valid question. And we have to get... To, get our head under wraps on this. So the best answer I heard was from this basketball player I never heard of, Jonathan Isaac. Now, I'm sure he's quite good. I just don't follow basketball because they're too woke for me. But Orlando Magic's Jonathan Isaac says he isn't getting the COVID vaccine because he has natural immunity and data shows he isn't at risk at all from COVID. Let's take a listen. Brilliant response from a from an athlete, from an NBA star. Jonathan, Josh Robbins with The Athletic. Uh, what is it about the vaccine that, that makes you uh, hesitant to, to, to get it? Uh, I, I would start with, um, I've had COVID um, in the past, and so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity has a uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic and is still evolving. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um, help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having antibodies um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, um, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Uh, taking the vaccine, um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the, albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being unvaccinated means infected or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or with not having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or um, talked crazy to doesn't uh, make one comfortable to do what said person is uh, telling them to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's a couple of the reasons that, um, you know, I would say I, I'm hesitant at this time, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't feel that it is, um, you know, anyone's reason to come out and say, well, this is why, or this is not why it should just be their decision. And, um, you know, loving your neighbors, not just loving those that, that agree with you or look like you or uh, move in the same way that you do. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, loving those who don't. That was the best response I think I've ever heard to that question. I can't, ima- I can't even imagine how I would word it even be- any better. 
Here we are, an NBA athlete, Jonathan Isaac. He's got to be my favorite player in the NFL if I have one. I mean, if I'm going to choose my favorite player in the NFL, it's going to be Orlando Magic's Jonathan Isaac. He is to be commended for that response. And that's something that we could all learn from. I've never heard a political leader word it any better than that. And he was asked that question on the fly. It was unscripted and unrehearsed. And you got to commend that response. I'm a big Thomas, Fole, uh, Thomas Sowell fan. And Thomas Sowell says, one of the biggest taxes is one that is not even called a tax. It's inflation. When the government spends money that it creates, it is transferring part of the value of your money to themselves. By that end, by the end of the uh, by the end of the 20th century, a $100 bill would not buy as much as a $20 bill would buy in the middle of the century. So say in 1950, a $100 bill in 2000 couldn't buy what a $20 bill in 1950 would buy in the middle of the set that century. So for people who served ca- saved cash, inflation amounted to an 80% tax on their money. You put that money underneath your bed, you know, between your mattress. You didn't trust the banks. You got taxed 80%. 80% on that 100 bucks. That's Thomas Sowell. Eric Matheny writes, if 83,000 doctors, nurses, and medical experts are not doing something the government is mandating, I think that it's wise that we at least ask the question, why? Why are all these medical professionals making this hard decision, this really hard decision? I want to play this woman's clip. This almost broke my heart. And I got to say, she ended up taking the vaccine. She ended up getting the vaccine, not because she wanted to, but because she had to. And uh, here it is. Uncomfortable for you, or if you don't like what I'm about to say, unfollow me, unfriend me, don't talk to me again. Okay, so this is... Um, shoot. Okay. I, I just lost it again, so hold on. Um, they're pulling this content, folks, is what's happening. That is unbelievable. Okay. They're pulling the content, but she's a nurse, and this is what she had to say. She did ultimately take the vaccine because she couldn't afford not to because she has three kids. Let's take a listen. Don't talk to me again, because at this point, I really don't care. If I start to cry, this is not a new thing, because I have literally been crying for a month straight. I have been a nurse for 16 years. And in that 16 years, 
I have prided myself in keeping my patients safe, keeping their information private, and ensuring that they get the best possible care that they can get with me. I became a nurse because I wanted to help people. I wanted to educate people. And I wanted to ensure that their health was the most important part of my job. But today, I had to choose whether or not I wanted to stay as a nurse and continue working or lose my job. And for those of you who think that this is not happening, it is. My fellow nurses, my friends, are losing their jobs every single day for making a choice of what they put in their body. This is ridiculous. Either you get this shot and keep your job, or you don't. And you risk not feeding your family. You risk not paying your bills. Because EI is not going to pay for it. That's just how it is. So, good luck trying to work. Well, that's my choice. A single mom of three children. And that's my choice. So today, I had to get this done. And I am feeling sick to my stomach because I felt like my body was no longer mine. I felt that everyone else was making a decision on my body, what I get to put in it. Do I ask my patients why they're on birth control? Do I ask why my patients want to put substances in their body that I know are going to kill them? No, because what they put in their body and what they choose to do is none of my business. My business is to ensure that when they leave that facility, that they leave semi-healthy and that I hope I don't see them again. Why is it that nurses 18 months ago were the heroes? We were the ones that were keeping everybody safe. Thank you, nurses. Thank you so much for doing all of this work for us. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you for making sure that this virus doesn't escape. Thank you for not staying away. Staying, oh, sorry. Thank you for staying away and ensuring that you're not spreading it. Did anybody talk about the nurses who were away from their families sleeping in tents outside of their house and not on their... Charge that. Okay. Not sleeping in their homes because they didn't want to give COVID to their children or opting to sleep in trailers and seeing their children on a video chat? Does anybody talk about this? Does the government even care the sacrifices that the nurses have made to ensure that the public stays safe? And the first thing that the public wants to do is throw us under the bus to not support us, to think it's okay that one of the hospitals fired 140 nurses because we made a choice. We made a choice. And the rest of the nurses that are stuck in their work because they have no choice. It's feed my family or starve or don't feed my family and figure out how I'm going to survive every single day. 
What the fuck is wrong with this world? When did we start hating each other? When did we start the segregation bullshit? When did this be okay? Can anybody tell me? Why is it vaccinated against unvaccinated? We are all human. Last time I checked, we all pissed yellow. So why is it that vaccinated all of a sudden think that they're hoity-toity, fucking I saved the world, I did my part, bullshit. You fell for everything that the government wanted you to fall for, and you are stupid for it. I'm stupid for it. But at least I'm trying to do something, because guess what? In a month, I was going to be showing the door. And I actually still will be, to be honest, because I'm not fully vaccinated. What the fuck is going on? So I'm stopping that because I, jeez, I, I didn't know about those curse words. I listened to the first four minutes of it um, prior to the show. And as you know, there were no curse words in that. I it's It was actually 10 minutes and I didn't listen to the whole thing. And uh, I apologize for that. That that's just bad so I really do love what the woman has to say I didn't it did not strike me that that speech that she was giving which I thought was a wonderful speech and and I can handle the curse words but I know a lot of people can't and and not only that but you know wherever this show is syndicated it's not good for business for sure we're on Christian stations as well and um I got to tell you, I apologize for the curse words. I heard the third one, and I'm like, okay, this 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 hasn't been screened properly. Um, so I apologize for the curse words. Uh, but uh, in any case, you get the idea. I mean, this is what uh, is happening on the front lines. This is what's happening. All right, so this is the COVID thing. Um, now, one other thing. Um, Tucker Carlson has talks to a nurse who left her job because of vaccine mandates. Let's take a listen to the flip side of that. It was just a year ago or so that a politician who got on stage and said that would be laughed off the stage. And a politician who endorsed firing thousands of health care workers during a pandemic, calling them criminals, dehumanizing them, would be reviled. Now it gets applause. Not because the science has changed. The science is the same. It's because our leaders realized how to leverage fear to crush their political opponents. And if that means finding people $700,000 for employing someone, throwing the weakest people in our society out on the street with no unemployment insurance and no health insurance, they'll do it. Cassandra Radulich is one of the victims of this latest purge. She is an ICU nurse who just left her job at a hospital in Indiana because of vaccine mandates. Cassie Radulich joins us tonight. Cassie, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Tell for us why. You, oh well, it's our honor to have you. T- tell us why you left your job. I left my job when um, policies were being rolled out at our hospital that would ultimately initiate the segregation of its staff on who was vaccinated versus who was unvaccinated. So mandates hadn't been rolled out yet. They weren't forcing us at this point to take the vaccine or be fired. 
um, but they were rolling out policies that gave different treatment to vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people. And it was not only that I was uncomfortable with that and unwilling to cooperate with that kind of treatment, um, but unfortunately, I had seen this treatment play out to my patients as well, where doctors and unfortunately some nurses that I worked with were bullying and harassing my patients for making a medical decision. But as a nurse, I took an oath and you know my, that oath was to practice and uphold the standards of my profession faithfully. And number one in the nursing code of ethics is patient autonomy and the patient's right to self-determination. So when I felt like I could no longer um, work in this environment that would uphold and honor that commitment I made as a nurse, I knew I had a decision to make and it was time for me to walk away. This is poisoning our society at the most basic level, uh, I would say. Yeah. I, I just, I, I have to ask, since you are an ICU nurse and you treat people mm -hmm. with COVID every day, how do you feel when politicians tell you they know more about medical care than you do? I feel infuriated. Um, it's, it's frustrating. It's disheartening because, um, unfortunately, so many people in the public would rather tune in to a politician and their ideas of COVID and how it should be handled rather than listening to a medical professional that's been on the front lines through it all in the last year and a half. It's yeah. maddening. I can't believe what's going on. I, I can't either. And no one's stepping up to protect people like you. It's, it's... That's what's going on, folks. So now let's switch gears. We want to talk, listen to General Milley. Matt Gates brought the fire to feckless and incompetent General Milley. Let's take a listen. Recognized. February 26, 2020, House Armed Services Committee. General Mark Milley. We know we're not going to defeat the Taliban militarily, and they're not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily. You really blew that call, didn't you, General? I believe that that was an issue of strategic stalemate, and that if we had remained in Afghanistan uh, with the advisory levels of effort, then the government of Afghanistan... Well, that's, that's an interesting Afghan answer to a question. Forces. It's just not one I asked. You spent more time with Bob Woodward on this book than you spent analyzing the very likely prospect that the Afghanistan government was going to fall immediately to the Taliban, didn't you? Not even close, Congressman. Oh, really? Because you said right after Kabul fell that no one could have anticipated the immediate fall of the Ghani government. When did you become aware that Joe Biden tried to get Ghani to lie about the conditions in Afghanistan? He did that in July. Did you know that right away? I'm not aware of what President Biden you're not aware Lying of the phone call that Biden had with Ghani where he said, whether it is true or not, we want you to go out there and paint a rosy picture of what's going on in Afghanistan. You're the chief military advisor to the president. You said that the Taliban was not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily, which, by the way, they cut through him like a hot knife through butter. And then the president tries to get Ghani to lie. When did you become aware of that attempt? Well, there's two things there, Congressman, if, if I may. One is what I said was the situation was stalemate. And if we kept advisors with there, the government of Afghanistan and the army would have still been there. That's what I said. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But it seems wrong now. With well, the we withdrew all the, we withdrew all the Austin. Secretary Austin, are you capable of assessing whether another has the will to fight? No, we're not. And uh, that's the point that the chairman made earlier. That's just like an incredibly disappointing thing for the Secretary of Defense to simply say, 
I can't assess whether someone has the will to fight, but it is consistent with your record. I mean, during the Obama administration, I think they gave you about $48 million to go train up some folks in Syria to go take on the Assad government, and I think your testimony was that only four or five survived first contact with the enemy. So what confidence should this committee have in you or should the country have in you when you've now confessed to us, and whether it's the swing and a miss in Afghanistan that General Milley talked to the Senate about yesterday, total failure, or whether it was your failures in Syria, you don't seem capable to look at a fighting force and determine whether or not they have the will. Well, Is recall, that an embarrassing? recall, Congressman, that uh, the end result was a, a, uh, uh, the SDF that we stood up that was very, very instrumental in turning the, the, the tide of, uh, of, of battle up in Syria. Oh, yeah. Turn, turned it so much. You've got Assad in power in Syria. You've got the Taliban in power in Afghanistan. I mean... Where have you been? The focus was the focus was ISIS, Congressman, and we and, and those forces uh, had significant uh, effect on on the well, ISIS it, network. It just seems like you're chronically bad at this, and you have admitted that, I guess, which is to your credit. But you know, when when people in the military, like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, stand up and demand accountability. When they say that you all screwed up, when they point out that General Milley's statement that the, Tal- you know, that, that the government of Afghanistan is not going to get defeated by the Taliban, well, he ends up in the brig. And you all end up in front of us, and your former employer Raytheon ends up with a lot of money, and we have poured cash and blood and credibility into a Ghani government that was a mirage. It fell immediately. And while the guy sitting next to you was off you know, talking to Phil Rucker and was off doing his thing with Bob Woodward, we were buying into the big lie, the big lie that this, that this was ever going to be successful and that we could ever rely on the Afghanistan government for anything at all. You know, General Mill, you kind of gave up the game earlier when you said you wanted to address elements of your personal conduct that were in question. We're not questioning your personal conduct. We're questioning in your official capacity going and undermining the chain of command, which is obviously what you did. You, you've created this whole chain of command. Did not undermine the chain narrative. of command in, in yeah, the you did. You absolutely did. And it, did not. Well, you know what? You said yesterday that you weren't going to resign when senators asked you this question. And I believe that you guys probably won't resign. You seem to be very happy failing up over there. But if we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired because that is what you deserve. You have let down the people who wear the uniform in my district and all around this country, and you're far more interested in what your perception is and how people think about you in insider Washington books than you care about winning, Gentleman's which this group has seems expired. incapable of doing. That was brutal. <laughs> I got to say, that was very, very brutal. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Trying to get to some of these really great clips. This is a great clip here. Um, this is where Tucker Carlson is talking to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who you all know is being incarcerated in jail right now for speaking the truth. Uh, but let's take a listen to this Tucker Carlson clip. Shoot it. I'm just going to listen to a portion of it. Meanwhile, and accountability. Right here. When people in the military, like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, stand up and demand accountability, when they say that you all screwed up, when they point out that General Milley's statement that the, Tal- you know, that, that the government of Afghanistan is not going to get defeated by the Taliban, well, he ends up in the brig. 
And you all end up in front of us, and your former employer Raytheon ends up with a lot of money, and we have poured cash and blood and credibility into a Ghani government that was a mirage. And the American people want and deserve accountability. And we even have service members like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller being thrown in the brig for suggesting that. The public's faith in our institutions continues to erode precisely because everyone in the D.C. bubble appears to have some sort of immunity from the basic standards the rest of America is expected to live by. And yet many other Republicans, including some who were ostentatiously pro-military, like Liz Cheney, defended the Pentagon, of course. Stu and Kathy Scheller are the parents at that deployment. You never did any Let's listen to the opening here. Sure, he in talks the United about States Proud Marine Boys. Corps through multiple combat no, no, no. deployments. This, this is the one where he talks about Proud Boys. Let's take a listen. Read the New York Times. The only people who haven't gotten the vaccine... No. Okay. Looking for the right clip here. And here it is published a report vindicating what we said months ago. This is about the J6 insurrection. operatives were deeply involved in the events of January 6th, the white supremacist QAnon insurrection, remember? Citing, quote, confidential records, the newspaper reported that, quote, the records suggest that federal law enforcement had a far greater visibility into the assault on the Capitol, even as it was taking place, than was previously known. The paper reported that an FBI handler was texting a member of the so-called Proud Boys, they're America's greatest threat, at the Capitol complex. So we called this, and we called it because Revolver.News originally broke it. Darren Beatty runs Revolver.News. He broke this story. He joins us now. Darren, thanks so much for coming on. So before we get to the question of why the New York Times is finally verifying what you reported months ago, and I think they denounced you as a conspiracy theorist for doing so. <laughs> Tell us... By the way, this is nothing new. Politico uh, is just coming around to acknowledging the truth about the Russian gate. And now Revolver, uh, who is lead story on this, uh, New York Times is coming around acknowledging Revolver was right. So it's just, uh, you know... All these conspiracy, so-called conspiracy theorists that were deplatformed. Incidentally, Yahoo is going to deplatform anybody that has a video on their channels that suggests that the vaccines are ineffective. What you think, since you have credibility on this, what the scope of the federal involvement in January 6th was? Well, it's a very good question, and the extent is far more than uh, the feds and the media were willing to admit. The New York Times piece that you mentioned, mentioned acknowledges two informants. And look, the New York Times is not out to do Revolver.News any favors or to do you any favors. If the New York Times is covering this, it's because the situation is far worse and there'll be many more informants coming to light in the near future. And I think it's very important to point out that this poses a pretty severe strategic dilemma for the feds and their apparatchiks in the regime media. Because you'll recall that Senator Klobuchar, when she posed the question about informants to FBI Director Ray, she did him the courtesy of assuming that 
there was no visibility into the protest because they had no informants. You see, if they had informants, that would have meant they were informed as to what would transpire. And then the question is, why didn't you do anything to stop it? Now that we know they have informants, the question re-presents itself, why didn't they do anything to stop it? And I think this explains an interesting amount of sort of mixed messaging that we're seeing recently from the regime media coverage of this. You'll see that the, um, basically the feds are using their sources in the media to present this new narrative that, you know what, actually there wasn't foreplanning. Actually, it wasn't this conspiracy in advance. It was more of a spontaneous outburst. The reason you're seeing this transition in the narrative is that if there was no foreplanning on the part of the so-called insurrectionists, that means there could have been no foreknowledge on the part of the feds, and they're absolved from suspicion as to why, if they knew about it, they didn't do anything to stop it. But the real beauty part about this is that even as this narrative shift protects the downside for the feds from that type of exposure, it completely blows up another foundational pillar of the official narrative 1-6, which is that it was a conspiracy, which it was this pre-planned attack that was set up in advance, and that's why it's like 9-11. It's the basis of the prosecution of all of the militia groups, essentially, associated with 1-6. And furthermore, it's the basis of the entire 1-6 commission. So they're really stuck in a bind. Either the FBI has to address new questions of why, if they had a bunch of informants and they were presumably informed, they didn't stop it, or why this whole narrative that they've been telling us about a conspiracy that was pre-planned, that serves as the basis of multiple high-level prosecutions and the commission itself, why that was false. It's either one or the other. That's right. And either way, they are lying, and the effect is to strip law-abiding patriotic Americans of their civil liberties. And that is happening. And I appreciate your coming on. Darren Beatty of Revolver.News, which got this story right. It's not only happening here, it's happening on all fronts. And that's the, that's the, the real kicker of the whole thing. We have so much more. There's so many great clips to share with you, stuff that I'm using to research for this show. Uh, I want to thank uh, somebody who wrote in today uh, in response to my acknowledgement that, you know, of, of my, my back pains. And... Uh, John, who wrote, John wrote, take all the time to recover from your back ailment uh, that you need. We need all patriots as fit as can be. It's a lifelong battle, and it's John from Idaho. Thank you for that. So get well wish there. Um, in any case, uh, we'll be seeing each other again on the radio, and um, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, macapack.org, and scottadamshow.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm a little, little eager just to bury my kids right up to there.